Welcome back to Range Anxiety, that's right. It's time to face the final curtain. So hello and goodbye with Epicast 100. So let's make it our best yet. I promised you all, my faithful listeners, uh, that I'd do something special for this Epicast. But you know what? I'm not going to. I'm sitting here tonight in, uh, it's Saturday night. Normally it's a Sunday session, but uh, I felt right to do it about now. And when you, if you ever make a podcast or ever want to do one, it's about when it feels right, particularly when it's not a monetized thing. Like this has never been, range anxiety has never been about making money. It's never been about advertising. Sure, I've, you know, pumped a few things along the way, friends of mine, their businesses, people that have helped me out. And, and why wouldn't you? That's what friends are for, right? That's Dion Warwick. Um, range anxiety really only ever existed if, if you think back to the beginning. Number one, 99 epicasts later, 48 hours of talking shit about cars later. It only ever existed because I couldn't explain, or my kids, I could explain it. I mean, I'm doing it now, but my kids actually didn't know what I did for a living. Something with cars. So hopefully now that we've left a marker, a long time of talking, uh, these epicasts should stay up forever. You know, once it's on the internet, it's there forever. My kids will be able to say, well, yeah, that's what dad did for a living. And that really was the whole thing. Now, over this time, let's let's have a look at some of the things that we have achieved. Because we have achieved a lot with range anxiety. The listener base is absolutely bloody huge. It's bigger than I ever thought it was going to be. You know, I thought there were going to be like eight people that listened to every epicast. Nah, I think the average listenership is around, oh, it varies. There are favourites and we'll get on to that. But we're looking at about 1,100 to 1,500 people per epicast, sort of. You know, times that by 100, you get an idea of the kind of reach that we've got. But we're not advertising anything. We're not selling you anything. We don't want to sell you anything. We're here to talk shit about cars. And I think we do that pretty well. Um, I get to see through the rankings, you know, which countries, which states, which areas enjoy range anxiety the most. Ooh, the most popular, obviously, is Adelaide, South Australia, where I come from. That's where the biggest concentrated number of listeners is. However, our reach in the US is absolutely incredible. Um, you know, there are a lot more listeners in the US. As a percentage of population, probably not, or definitely not. But, you know, everyone would think, because I'm such a Tesla nerd, that California, nah, they're like uh, 2% of the US makeup. States like Ohio, it's like uh, Washington, it's it's crazy, uh, the makeup of the US. Uh, and the way they like to listen to this. And, and thank you, my US listeners. Um, I've always tried to keep everything in freedom units for you guys so you understand and not that stupid ass metric system that we love so much over here. But yeah, I've been very, very impressed with the US. Obviously, we got a lot of New Zealand. We got a little bit of UK and Ireland, but I don't think they get my sense of humour, which is strange because inherent sarcasm and a canny wit is kind of what their humour's all about. Maybe they take me too seriously. I don't know. But along the way, we've made a lot of new friends. I get a lot of emails. And, and since I said that 100 was going to be my last epicast, which it is, um, I've received a lot of emails. 
people are saying, Martin, I just don't know what to do on the morning drive to work. You know, you're my Monday and Thursday morning listen. Um, what am I going to listen to when I'm at the gym? Uh, what am I going to do when I'm working outdoors and I'm listening to Spotify on my earbuds? I don't know. Find something else to listen to or, you know, reruns aren't bad either. I've got some people to thank. Obviously, we've had some guests. Uh, Little Lord was one of the most popular uh, as, as a one-off. He's the only one I think I've ever done once. And yeah, he, he was pretty good and he loved it. And he told it as it was. So if you go back and listen uh, to Epicast Little Lord, it's actually 100% true. And that's the frightening thing about it. <laughs> oh my goodness. Go back and have another listen. You don't know what I'm talking about. And you know, we can be frank like that because we lost a couple of friends uh, together or one in particular, um, Todd. And uh, he was kind of like part of the scene and it was a very sad thing you know I'm not going to harp on that though but you know that's made our, our friendship probably a lifelong one uh, speaking of which there's obviously uh, Paul Howes on he's been extremely popular because he kind of tells it like it is you know I'm kind of sitting there all frantic and talking shit about tuning and he's like well Marty I don't think so and that's you know Paul's the laconic kind of perfect foil and that's why I got him along in the first place, because that's how he is and that's how he talks. And he's known me for a long time and he's absolutely done a brilliant job and he has an excellent head for non-YouTube podcasting as well, don't you, Paul? He'll be listening to this at uh, oh, probably day shift Monday <laughs> because this, you know, his, his last Epicast was the other day and you know he did a wonderful job. Paul was brilliant. Other notable mentions... You know, I'd, actually, I had someone come up to me today and say, hey, I never knew Paul had an electric bike. And I'm like, Paul who? My brother, Robert? No, no, off the podcast. Paul Howe's on. Oh, okay. Well, there you go, Paul. You're quite famous. Um, other notable mentions, obviously, um, uh, the raw frankness. You know, she was out there, Lisa Donham, my wife, she screamed when autopilot came on. She thinks cars should have dials. And she thinks electric cars are for nerds. However, she does have a bit of a soft spot for the Cybertruck. And when, if uh, they ever get made, which I believe they will, and if we ever get one, I'll be struggling to get her out of it because she likes to bully people in car parks. That's kind of her thing. And I'll let her drive it because allegedly they're undentable. She's actually pretty good with cars. She hasn't curbed the 507 yet. But if you have a look at the TJ Wrangler, oh yeah, apparently all those dents were in it when she bought it. So what for me from here? Um, I'm going to concentrate on, on work a bit. Um, we have some big plans, like I've said it. Yeah, I haven't mentioned it much during any of the Epicasts, but you know I'm partnering a business called Powertech Tuning and with the Munro brothers who are crazy car nuts. They live for cars, they love cars, and they can sort of temper some of my grumpiness with cars from time to time. Actually, I'm probably more grumpy with the people than the cars. Anyone that works in the industry would, would tend to know that, uh, you know, that, that sort of feeling. You know, I don't like popcorn tunes. I don't like crackle tunes. I don't like stage three tunes. Duh, duh, stage three. I don't like that kind of crap because I tend to think I'm a little bit smarter than that. And so are most of the people out there listening to this right now that are concurring with me and agreeing with everything I say. It's a real paradigm, this, this whole tuning thing right now. We'll go into that a little bit later. But 
Powertech Tuning are about to do some great things. You know, we're, build a, we're building a purpose-built facility and it's not just going to be another dyno shop with a flash showroom. It's There are going to be some things that have never been done before, you know, and it's a competitive market right now. And, and uh, we're looking to become more on the development side of business and, and we will still offer our tuning at top level tuning and top level car modifications for people that are serious and probably stick away a little bit from the the popcorn tune pop pop bang check light you know not really into that kind of thing anymore maybe i'm getting old and what about some speaking of old i'm younger than most of my peers in this game and there, there have been some wonderful peers uh, along the way and a lot of them will stick with me for a long time and it, it doesn't it doesn't really matter good bad ugly or whatever you always, throughout your career, no matter what it is, whether it's in accounting or whether it's making happy casts or whether it's in cars, you've always got to have a peer group that you look up to. And, you know, I have a few of them. Um, obviously, Rob Herod, uh, you know, I've mentioned him in, in some of the earlier Epicasts. And, you know, he's just showing the way from being aftermarket car modifier to being a secondary manufacturer in this country, which is just fantastic. You know, many have tried... Many have got there to have a plate. No one's carried it off through a proper dealership network with a full factory-backed warranty. No one, but no one has done that in Australia. So, Rob, I always look up to you for that reason, because you managed to arrange the chess pieces right over many years using smarts, and you got the job done. And that's something we can all aspire to do. And now you've given us a roadmap on how to do it. There's no excuse. Everyone... Get out there and do it and become a secondary manufacturer. It was also him. And then, you know, there was um, Tony from Kappa, who in the early days, uh, he introduced me to centrifugal superchargers and, you know, belt-driven turbos. What a wonderful thing they were. And still are. I mean, plenty of people still use the things, you know. Absolutely crazy. And it, it, I remember when we made 248 kilowatts at the wheels on a Dynodynamics out of a VR ute, that was just absolute craziness. 248 kilowatts at the wheels running, seven or eight PSI boost. I had to write the software for the Delco system, not using CalMaker. This was back when the car was brand new, so God knows what year that was. I reckon it was about 1995 or six. I was hacking away at the software, and we managed to, to interface this thing um, to a two-bar map sensor, put bigger injectors in it, and tune it. And quite reliably, I think we took it to the drags. It was a red VS, actually, auto. And it had SV, polished SV5000 rims on it. And I reckon it ran 12.7 at 109, which was just unheard of for a 5-litre Holden back then. So, yeah, that was that was a really good time. Um, probably not so good was the time we um, went the twin throttle body and supercharger system on the first of the twin cam XLs. Yeah, I'm showing my age again. I remember I picked up the car brand new because Tony was in the Riverland and I was in Adelaide and I picked it up brand new for him from the dealer. Stormy day and I was driving up Henley Beach Road and the wind caught the roof. I think it was the uh, Henley Beach Hotel maybe. Blew off a big sheet of iron and smashed the front of the car in. One hour old out of the dealership. Dented all upon it, dented the front guard, scratched all the paint was that horrible sort of burgundy colour anyway, so no one really noticed, but that car stayed like that for a long time, I reckon almost till we sold it, so yeah, sorry about that, Tony, and we also had the bet um, when we were 
mucking around with that. They had a Bosch Motronic on them. I think it was a remade Bosch system made by a company called Kefiko in Korea. And I was able to hack those a little bit. And I think we had a bit of an overboost situation because we used a, oh, it was an Eaton M62 or something like that, a small PD blower on it. And uh, he overboosted it a bit and rattled it and knocked a piston out of it. And I bet Tony a carton of beer that he couldn't fix it. He'd get the piston out in under an hour. And he did. He didn't even want the carton of beer. He just, before he handed back his mechanic's license, which he quite proudly told me so many times, he showed me how to drop one out through the bottom, out the sump, bang, done. Pay up, Martin. So, yeah, we had some great times. I think one of the greater times is when we had motor tested. And Tony was big into water injection. I mean, he lived in the Riverland. They had a big river up there. Had lots of water in it. And uh, we ran a water injection system on this thing. And it was a cold morning. And Motor Magazine tested it back when Adelaide International Raceway was open. And, uh, yeah, I think it was David Morley actually ran this thing down the street. And I punched it hard down there. And it was a good car. I reckon it ran like a 15-second or 14-second pass. You know, it was good for a, an Excel. And all that water pumping in on a freezing cold morning froze the throttle body open. Yes, there was some interesting chucking it into neutral and jamming the brakes on for that one. But they were the good old days. And I'm sure Tony still got about a million Hyundai throttle bodies that we bought uh, out of Korea at the time for the twin throttle system, which was just great stuff. I wrote about it in Zoom magazine at the time. You know, I used to do a lot of magazine work. Some of you might remember that. That was crazy stuff. Um, some of you may remember at about that time or before that time, I used to do a lot of work with a guy by the name of Mark Tilbrook, uh, Tilbrook Auto and Dino in Hampstead Gardens. And uh, Mark was like a friend of my brother's when I was still a little kid. And he was the one that painted my new mini motor uh, blue with a pink head, just to spite me. But I asked him, I mean, he only did what I asked. But Mark was one of the greatest guys you would ever meet. And he taught me a lot about stuff. He taught me a lot about craftsmanship because Mark was, amongst other things, apart from being a pretty good stand-up comic and a pretty staunch friend, you know, he'd do anything for you and he, and he did for me over the years. Uh, I've never said that in these epicasts, but, you know, some people might like him, some people might not like him, but a, a more stand-up guy you won't meet. And he taught me a lot of things about uh, skills with hands and taught me not to touch shit because he was just so darn good at it you know he'd take his time but his welding was perfect his fabrication was perfect and you know he was uh and still is a, a great craftsman and a huge influence on me and the way I do things these days so hats off to you Mark I probably didn't give you enough credit over the years for the things you did but you are probably one of the best if not the best that I've ever come across so there you go if that means anything to you at all take that away. And then there's other guys. There's guys like, uh, I mentioned Bill Santuccioni, uh, the guy in Melbourne, uh, SVD, I think he called himself in St Kilda. He was a bit of a pragmatist, but God, he did some crazy shit. Imagine building turbocharged F-trucks back in the day with suck-through carbies on them and stuff and bragging how that, but he, he was a little guy and he, he was quiet. He wasn't a big boastful yobbo, you know, he was a, like a little professor. Uh, Santuccioni, and yeah, he, he he could just do things uh, that people just couldn't believe. And then there were then there was another Victorian up from Mildura, and that was oh god, Corsa Special Vehicles, Pete 
Pete DiCera. You know, some people might love him, some people might not love him, but he did it. He did this manufacturer thing back in the day, and he did it with passion, and he did it with skill. I used to do little, little bit, tiny bits of work with him, but the way he could finish a car, his hand finishing of the cars was like no other. He had a perfect eye for paint, panel, trim, integration, and I think Pete still probably does now. I, I had to speak to him only recently the other day, and yeah, we make jokes with each other. Hey, blow ahead, how you going? But he was uh, one of the top, one of the other top craftsmen that I've seen. And again, put his balls on the line and did stuff that other people just didn't have the balls, the knowledge or the skills to do. So hats off to you too, Pete, and I wish you all a success in the future. So what about the future? Where are we going with all of this? You know, a lot of people are saying to me, Martin, you know, oh, the way you talk about electric cars, you know, that's kind of horrible. Um, we don't want an electric future. You know what? It's going to happen. But you're never, ever going to lose your internal combustion cars. There is always going to be fuel. You're always, in our lifetimes anyway, you're always going to be able to go to the petrol pump and fill up. You know, there's too much infrastructure there. There's too much money tied up in that stuff for them just to turn the taps off. You know, it's not going to happen. So don't sweat it. Don't be scared of electric cars. You know, embrace it. Be scared of hydrogen cars because, in my opinion, my opinion only, total waste of time and not going to happen. But don't be scared of electric cars. Get yourself one along with your petrol car when you have to. Pick the one that's the fastest if you're into that kind of thing, the best one you can afford, and go out and thrash your wheels off it and have a bit of fun. You see, there's nothing that makes a per and I'm I'm old, you know, I'm 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 fifty-two years of age. I didn't tell you all that, so ladies, you know, sorry to tell you that, and I'm taken. But there's nothing that makes you old faster than an old mindset, not being able to accept new ideas and embrace new technology. And while there's nothing new about electric cars or hydrogen cars, some of the tech that's rolling out now is really, really cool. So I'm happy to have a Model 3 performance and I'm happy to be sitting here next to an edition 507 Benz. To me, they're, they're two of the best of the breed, you know, which I've carefully selected over the years. And you know, you can enjoy both. Don't be singular in your mindset because that's the thing that'll make you old, miserable, shitty old man or lady, are the fastest. So don't do that. Be open-minded and have fun. So yeah, electric future's coming. We can't stop it. I can't stop it. I've just decided to go along for the ride. And, and yeah, sure, you know, the ride at the moment, of course, is the Model S Plaid. Yes, I have ordered one. Uh, yeah, I'm going to have to do a bit of saving up before now they're telling me, oh, the Tesla configurator is wonderful. They're telling me end of 2022 or sometime in 2022, maybe never, if it's that fast that it gets outlawed in the States. But you know what? It's a generation changer, a car like that. It's a generation changer. And so you just got, if you love cars, you've got to put your name down for the plaid. It is that simple. I mean, what's not to like? Sure, it doesn't make any noise. Trust me, it'll make a lot of electric drivetrain noise. Uh, I mean, a dual, a single motor, Three makes noise out of the engine, that Jetson's noise. Imagine what three carbon-wrapped mofos spinning at 20,000 plus RPM. Imagine the noise they're going to make. There will be noise. Now will be tyres howling. There will be stuff going on. But, you know, you'll be too busy fighting the wheel because, thankfully, from the reports I've had already, these things torque steer 
like demons, not like Dodge demons, because they're not fast enough to talk to you. Sorry, Dodge guys. Um, but, you know, not everyone can afford a plaid. So look around. I think the Ionic 6 or the Hyundai Kia are trying to do some fast little EV. And, you know, this car I'm sitting in now is a 2019 model M3, Model 3 Performance Tesla. Fast, low 11 second car, crazy roll on speed, incredible handling, set up in drift mode. In a couple of years, you'll be able to get these for 40 grand. And why wouldn't you? I mean, let's face it, guys and girls, a new plaid at $240,000 drive away with some options in Australia. I mean, most of that, you know, there's 50 grand tax and fee component in that. Thanks, GOMO. It's still only as much as a, you know, 200k on the clock VE Commodore, right? And as my mate, Sam Cass, in Melbourne, I love Sam, and he loves to hate my beliefs in cars, as he tells me, at least the VE Commodore's going up, not like your stupid plaid. And you know what? He might be right. But who buys a car, particularly a, a, a nasty old car, because it's going up in value? You buy cars to enjoy, and I think that's what we're missing and that's what we're missing today. My father, who was a great car collector, once told me, and I think I've, I've spoken this before, but I'll tell you again now, since this is the last time you're going to hear me on this show, that you never actually own a car. He owned many, some beautiful cars, 246 Dinos, GT500s. He had some beautiful stuff, beautiful cars over the years. And he said to me, you never own a car. You're only ever caretaking it. Because a car will outlast you, the car will go for longer than you. And he was right. You know, he left us some years ago now, eight years ago, I think, very sadly. And um, when I left us, he passed away. And, uh, you know, he never got to finish enjoying his cars. All he did is caretake them. And there were spanners and a, and a work trait left on the back of his 246 Dino when sadly I had to pack it all up. And... Um, it was a very sad time, but what he said was right, and it should stick. It stuck with me, and it stuck with my brother, Paul, who has a beautiful collection of cars himself. And it's something you've got to, it's something you should listen to, because if you have these beautiful cars, sure, don't use them with reckless abandonment, and don't be stupid with them, and don't try and reenact stupid movies with them, but enjoy them. You know, I've never been one to go to cars and coffee and stuff like that, so I hate the tight car parks, but... Get out there and use your cars and love your cars. And this is what range anxiety is about. It's about you not being nervous about an uncertain future because the future of motor cars right now is extremely certain. It's just a matter of opening your mind, opening your heart and embracing it. Unfortunately, though, too many people try and criticise things that they've never tried. I've driven pretty much everything. I've driven... Hurricanes. I've driven uh, electric stuff. I've driven a plaid yet, and I've driven old cars. And you know what? There's something to love about all of them. Do you get what I'm saying? So open yourself up. Remember, in this life, we have two ears and one mouth. Use them accordingly, and don't form opinions based on fear and anxiety. So there we go. That just about does it. That's Epicast 100, done, dusted, and that is the end of Range Anxiety. Or, fuck it, I'll be back next week. See you soon.